Okay, welcome back to the Bread and Butter podcast. My name is Brecklin. I am your host, and today I am here with Abby Gustafson of the Dear Abby podcast. How are you, Abby? Hello, I'm good. How are you doing? Doing so good. How's how's life just lately? I feel like, here's the thing, I feel like a lot of my audience knows you and knows you well and probably knows just about your life from social media. So I, it feels weird to be like, mm-hmm. how are you? But I'm like, people genuinely want to know, like, how's life? Yeah. How are you doing? I know. The thing is, I talk about how I am all the time, but it literally changes every single day. Um, but I'm good. I mean, I live in Orange County right now, which I'm loving it. It's been raining a ton. And I feel like, I don't know if this is just me, but I literally feel sick anytime it rains or your bones are achy. Does that happen to you? I've had it just a couple of times. And this is actually, I've wondered, do you think it's like a post-COVID thing? Or has that been like a lifelong thing for you? (laughs) I would not be shocked if somehow that was related to COVID in some way, but... That's, I feel like that's only been recently. Okay. Yeah. So no, it probably is something to do with COVID. Um, but yeah, I'm good. I feel like I'm in such a weird place though in my life where literally one day I'm like, everything's great. Like I love living. I love being alive. And the next day it's like everything kind of hits me all over again, just from everything I've been through the past year. So, but overall I feel like I'm going uphill. So that's kind of all I can ask for. Well, and even just like as like a viewer of your content, it does just kind of seem that way that like, yeah, like healing is never just like linear, but you just do seem to be like trending upwards. And it just has been Mm -hmm. so fun, like to watch, which that probably sounds so horrible, like fun, like it's like your real (laughs) life that you're like living (laughs) all the time, but more maybe inspiring is the better word. Um, just from a distance, just from what you have shared um, as someone who struggles with OCD and mental health, really, I think for a lot of us, you're kind of more of like a champion of like, Abby's doing it. Like we can do it. Like we can all do it. We all have our stuff that we're dealing with. And it's just been so, yeah, so fun and inspiring to just like watch you share. That's so sweet to hear. That's so crazy though, because I kind of forget that people are like watching, watching, (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. It's like, especially I think, especially with now that I started my podcast, it's like, I don't really think people are listening, even though I can see the views, I can see people commenting, but it's like so weird to me that people have watched because it is like, that actually is good to hear because sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I am perceived. I don't know if people are inspired or they're just like, this girl is depressing me when she talks about all of these things. But I'm like, I always get messages like, that they've always felt alone and either with OCD or anxiety. And I feel like some of the things that I've shared, they connect to. So I'm like, that that's feels good for me to know that I'm not the only one too, that is having these kinds of, yeah, I don't know, struggles. Yeah, exactly. Well, and let's talk about your podcast for a second, the Dear Abby podcast. How's it going? It's good. I love it. It's, it's nice to be able to record in my own room, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of scary in a weird way because it's like you record these things and you post it and it's just online forever. Oh, and yeah. so I'm like, I pray every day that I'm not going to get canceled or I'm not going to like accidentally say something or record something and the audio is going to be, I don't know. It's just oh, so weird. It is but. so anxiety inducing. I'm totally with you. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to chat with you about <laughs> just because like you've, you've like expressed before that like you're a little bit of an introvert sometimes, like a little bit shy. Mm-hmm. What is it about 
here's because I'm the same way. I'm definitely an introvert. Mm-hmm. Definitely have my moments where I'm very shy. Like before this interview, my legs were like numb with adrenaline. That just is how I am. <laughs> like that's just how it happens for me. And I'm like, okay, but when you are that kind of girl, you're gonna end up with a podcast. I don't understand why, but it just is like it works. You're like mostly by yourself it's like small groups that you get to talk to people in I'm like it really is like the extroverted introverts dream like it really is it just kind of works out it truly is I know I I love it I love it too because I think it's we have a bunch of different thoughts and ideas and everything I feel like people who are anxious are also very creative Mm -hmm. because your mind is like look at all these beautiful things I can create and these beautiful images, like artistry, like in your own head. And then on the the opposite side, it's like, <laughs> I've had the most disturbing images in my head. And it's so they're so on the opposite side of the spectrum, but they're both creative. Yeah. And so I think that it's just like an outlet that we can kind of just get stuff off of our chest, off of our hearts, our head. It's just it's a perfect storm. But I guess not storm. It's, it's, it's a good thing. No, I absolutely agree. Um, but like, yeah, like I said, I, I've looked up to you for a couple of years. I'm trying to remember the first time I kind of became aware of you, but one time in particular that stands out was I actually shot you a DM, just like cold DM about OCD. You'd, you'd shared something about OCD and struggling with OCD Mm -hmm. and you first of all, you responded and then you responded so kindly. And I was like, okay, like, she's cool. Like we've, we've never met, but like we're friends, like everything is good. And it's Mm -hmm. so, because OCD can be very isolating and, and hard for people to understand, especially if they haven't kind of experienced it themselves. Um, And you just have so much good to say on, you can just speak to it so well. So just to like jump in, I would love to just hear a little bit of like your story um, because it's been a kind of a life's experience for you. It's not something that really kind of goes away it's just kind of always Mm -hmm. there so I would love to kind of hear your experience and a little bit of your story yeah so I mean I could take it back to being a kid honestly like my first memories of course when you're a kid you don't know it's like oh I'm having OCD thoughts or I'm having I'm doing a compulsion right now it's like as a kid you're just trying to protect yourself so I remember um you know I, I was always an anxious kid and I was always very sensitive and I love that about myself now, even though it still does cause kind of unnecessary pain, but that's still something I'm trying to figure out is kind of how to move through my sensitivity and see it as like a superpower. But as a kid, I remember I would call my mom or I wouldn't call my mom. I'd go to the nurse's office and I'd have her call my mom after lunch because it was too loud in the cafeteria. It was like, just super overstimulating and I'd get a stomach ache but it would be a real stomach ache I could physically feel it um I thought I was dying like every single day I'd call my mom and she'd be like I think you're fine I'd be like no mom it's real this time like please just like let me come home I just want to come home and she usually would say no but I think once in a while she would probably come pick me up but so that's going back to like since I was a kid, I'd also have weird things. Like, I think this is kind of normal for every kid, but it felt very scary for me, which is kind of like a silly, (laughs) it's like so dumb thinking about this, but as a little girl, it's scary. I had a bunch of stuffed animals on my bed Mm -hmm. 
and I'd I'd sleep with one and I was I'd close the closet I'd put them in an order I'd close the closet and I was scared that if they saw me sleeping with <laughs> one of them like cuddling with it they'd get mad at me and literally hurt me I, <laughs> as a kid what it was going through my head oh my just, gosh I think it just is so clear though that it manifests in just whatever stage of life you're in like there are no oh, boundaries like all bets are off when it comes to OCD no like, no, it's literally unhinged. There are no rules for what it can make you <laughs> like think of. Yeah. But it's just I didn't ever put that together. I just thought it was like and that again, that probably has happened to a lot of kids, even oh, if they yeah. don't have OCD, just weird stuff like that. But the intensity and like that I would feel and the guilt I would feel for even hugging one stuffed animal versus another. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of started a pattern of feeling like it's my responsibility to take care of every stuffed animal and their feelings as a young kid. It's like weird stuff like that. I that looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's definitely like, even if it's not necessarily OCD, it's still a very obsessive part of my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's a very anxious, like over responsibility part. Um, but then moving through to like junior high, I had actually, I think this was still in elementary school. I had a friend pass out when we were singing in choir mm-hmm. actually I think we were playing the flute or something or the recorder oh no like, and since like ever since that day I don't get anxious about it anymore and I don't really have any compulsions or like safety behaviors regarding this anymore but ever since that day I was scared to stand up and speak or stand up and sing or perform like stand up I could sit down and sing all day mm-hmm. but because she was standing by me and she passed out And I just saw that and that was horrifying for my whole junior high, like choir career. I mean, it was like I would take choir every single year because I wanted to kind of get past the fear Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this is stupid. Like, even if I pass out, I just pass out. But every single day I would go to school. I'd I'd well backtrack. I'd wake up. I would already be thinking of choir and how I don't want to stand up and sing when he asks us to stand up and sing in practice. Mm And so I would wake up, be anxious, just try not to think about it before it happened. I would go through my couple of hours and then right before choir, it was like death. It was like, I felt so anxious. I felt so like the end of the world. Like it was a huge thing in my head that I had just created this whole story around, I don't know, standing up and singing. Mm -hmm. And so Anytime he would ask us to stand up and sing, which was maybe once a day, I, I'm not kidding. Every single day I would ask to go to the bathroom once he asked us to stand up and I would just go to the bathroom. He never, I think at the end of the second year, he was my teacher. He eventually said something and he just told me no, basically he's not like, Oh, you have anxiety and OCD, yeah. but he's, he's just like, like no, you. like, I don't think you actually, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you actually need to go to the bathroom every single day at the same time. And, um, but I would go every single day and just sit in the stall and like cry and just be like, what is wrong with me? Like, why this is all of my friends are having fun. They're laughing. Like, why do I literally, I I can't even stand up and sing. That's so weird. And, but in my body, like the sensations were obviously kind of like panic, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't really have full blown panic attacks, but they were just more like anxiety attacks. And so, you know, fast heartbeat, I would feel really dizzy. 
it would give me all the symptoms as if I was about to pass out. I'd get really foggy in the head. It would kind of go dark. Um, and physically, like, my health was fine. So I I got that look that I'm fine mm-hmm. um, in junior high. But I was like, there is still something. Yeah, like, this that's... is not normal. Anyway, so that was definitely, yeah, like a safety behavior is going to the bathroom every single day to protect myself from something. And... Anyways, I'd go to concerts and stuff for choir and I would not sing. I would say watermelon, watermelon, watermelon on stage. I didn't want to breathe on stage because I was scared that was going to make me pass out or whatever. And so that was two years of like pretty much every single day with the same fears. And that's kind of what it attached to when I was in junior high. And which stunk because I wanted to be like a singer. Yeah. But I think it's such a classic like junior high thing to want to be. You (laughs) see like... (laughs) Britney Spears or like some kind of iconic singer or what who is it Lizzie McGuire yes and you're just like I want to be like her and so you want to be a singer and so I just was like well I guess that's out of the that's that's out of a I can't do that because I can't even stand up and sing but um yeah sorry if I'm going too far back into history but this is great I kind of just want to I guess show the weird ways that it's shown up for me yeah um well and I think like I was just thinking when you said like that's how it like chose like not chose but that's how it manifested or like choir was what it attached itself to I think that's an interesting concept to just kind of like touch on just for like a brief second because if if people are unfamiliar OCD is never just one set of fears or compulsions or safety behaviors like it's not specific it is like a general thing that happens and can attach itself to anything like Mm -hmm. literally anything and so if you don't relate to something like choir but you feel like you're like oh that sounds familiar but in like a different way that's totally valid too like you know what I mean exactly and especially if you are an anxious person or have struggled with OCD or that's just you have that kind of part of your brain you're probably trying to dissect everything that we're saying and trying to find some kind of familiar, like trying to be like, oh, that's what I have. That's I feel the exact same because we want, again, like you said, it's a very isolating. So you're I, that's like me. I kind of had to stop doing that when I listened to podcasts or something. Is trying to find myself in every tiny thing to make sure that I actually have the disorder or something. And so, but it does range from so many different small random things I've heard so many people's stories and been like that's crazy that that's what they were scared of that would never scare me but I have crazy things that they'd be like why are you scared of that like even people who have OCD are usually like I don't think that would ever be like a theme for me but then somehow it somehow does though like we're wild yeah no things like you said when you said unhinged that is the best way to describe it it is completely unhinged and it's honestly not that it's funny because it's such a painful thing to Mm -hmm. go through just truly truly terrifying but in a like slightly humorous way sometimes it helps to be like oh like this is completely unhinged this is like the crackhead of mental illnesses like no it really is anyway yeah sorry no you're fine it's also like so annoying because I love that I've included some of my family members in my recovery just kind of telling them what it is and like yeah I don't know and now Chelsea will be like if we're I don't know if she says something rude or I don't even know how I don't even know what situation but 
anytime anything is triggering for me or they say something or they do something rude, they're like, it's a good exposure for you. Or if we watch something horrifying, they're like, it's a good exposure. I'm like, I should have never told you because I know even like my boyfriend now says that all the time. He'll like, I'm like, not everything has to be an exposure. I'm like, I do plenty of exposure work every day. I don't need constant exposure. That's just one way that they make fun of it, which I get. It's funny, but yeah. it is it is like I, it's good to make fun of it sometimes when it's like, OK, that's a little bit. That one was a little bit of a crazy one. Oh, no, I get that. And I have the same situation. My husband will be like, that would be great for you. And you're like, <laughs> oh, like, no, don't say that to me. Like, uh. And as supportive as they are. Yeah. Once they once you've kind of like exposed yourself because you do, you have to like mm-hmm. expose yourself to like often like get support, be like, okay, listen, like, this is what I do. And here's why. And yeah, after that, you're toast. Like they will get you. Yeah. Call you out. You don't want to be held accountable, but they will, unfortunately, which is helpful, but it's not like, it's very normal to not actually want help. That's how I feel sometimes where I'm like, you don't know, you don't have this. Like, I don't want your help, but it's like, we still need their help. Like it's good to, you know, listen to someone who isn't going through it as well. Um, but I'll get back to my story before I, I could jump all over the place. I, my brain, it's just, that's just like how it works. Um, but going back to, I guess also growing up as a kid in my religion, uh, you know, God, like Christianity is really important to me. And as a kid being in primary, which is like, these little classes that you take, you learn about Jesus. I would have intrusive thoughts, which would just like, I'm sure every kid was having, but I just have weird images of God. Like, and they weren't even scary. It was just like what I'd picture God looking like. And it would scare me. And I would pinch myself. Like I would try to stop it by pinching. Try to like interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did so much of that as a kid and growing up into high school as well. Like I don't do that anymore because I've worked on it. But that was something that throughout my whole life, ever since I was a kid in church, was another thing that I would do to minimize the thoughts, which yeah. just made them worse and felt more and more scary as the time went on. But yeah. it's just crazy thinking back being six years old and like already punishing yourself for things yeah. that you cannot control. Yeah. It's so oh, sad. Exactly. It's so sad. And like, I'm a practicing Christian as well, was raised, um, I think we were probably raised in the same church. Um, and they talk a lot, you know, there's kind of a lot of messaging of agency and agency over your thoughts. And, you know, like, yes, like you can control your thoughts. You know, you can like mm-hmm. change the channel, sing a primary song, whatever it happens to be. And for someone with OCD, that mm-hmm. is, it was not helpful. Mm-mm. And so I just, I always like to say like, ugh, like when I have my own kids, we'll talk about it a lot because yeah, I just, I would say that was one thing that was really difficult for me to work through as well is like, you just want to be like a good girl, like mm-hmm. so bad. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, I know. And I don't know if anyone relates to like maybe compulsory, like repenting or compulsory mm-hmm. praying or yeah, having really disturbing images of deity. Um, I would say that's very, very normal for mm-hmm. any OCD situation, but it is painful. So I guess just want to offer validation for if you've ever experienced things like that. It is painful, especially when 
you do identify with your religion and you want to practice it, it can be, yeah, just uncomfortable. Yeah. And as it's so weird when I started therapy, um, I started therapy like a year ago now ish and actually a little bit more than a year ago. So it's been a while, but I've definitely seen growth. Um, but I actually, it went away, not went away, but it wasn't, I wasn't suffering with it. Um, past like high school like maybe senior year it kind of went quiet a little bit up into maybe like two and a half years ago but I do think there were small like month spans where something would stick with me but I again I didn't know it was OCD I thought I was actually just like being I thought it was just anxiety because you know my mom has anxiety my grandma has anxiety uh, I don't think anyone in my family has ever been diagnosed with OCD. So I didn't know, you know, I was like, I thought it was a classic hand washing, like switching on and off light switches, getting up out of bed multiple times to do it the right way. Um, which that that is still very much what OCD can be. But for me, it was something very different. Um, so it kind of quieted for a while, but then <laughs> the infamous Delta A gummy that I took, um, like, uh, what is it almost two years ago now that triggered just like <laughs> this. It's just, I got high basically by accident. So I didn't know I was going to get high, which I feel like if you're going to get high, it's nice to know that, that you're got to expect some weird feelings, thoughts, images, colors, like all these things. And so it was actually my OCD was pretty quiet until I took that. And then I feel like it just unlocked, like I couldn't ignore it. I knew it wasn't normal at this point because it became all consuming. I had, I started to have, I remember my first thought was, um, I was playing this game on my PC and I was still married at the time. And I was looking out the window and someone walked across the window and I was having crazy anxiety. So like every day I was very paranoid. I was like, everything is trying to hurt me. I wasn't like in psychosis or anything, but yeah, I just was paranoid. Yeah. It's really and intense. yeah. And someone walked past the window, just walking their dog. And I had a thought like you should follow them and hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? the heck I was like, like I'm whoa whoa, whoa. Yeah. I'm like wow that was weird like and it feels this is the thing it feels so it's a thought it's as real as any other thought and as fake as any other thought but it's a thought and it came from my brain and this is the beginning of my whole journey about mental health so I didn't understand obviously but with OCD when you have a thought like that if it, it like connects to I don't even know. It, it freaks out the core of who you are. Like, yeah, it's like an and, identity crisis constantly. Yes. And it's never like, oh, that's just a dumb thought and I can move on because yeah. it comes with so much anxiety, fear, like insecurity, uncertainty. And so when it came, I was like, that was so weird. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is because I'm anxious and I took drugs and and so this is what happens. I'm going to be a bad person now. Like, yeah. this is why you don't do drugs because now I'm going to be <laughs> killing like, people. This is why you don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's such a classic like way of thinking when you are obsessive because I was like, oh, people don't do drugs like this because now I have I'm like going to be a psycho like 
murderer or something. Yeah. And um, I can say this now on a podcast and not be as scared about what people are going to perceive me as because I have yeah. a little bit of more like uh, I just understand myself more in my brain. But if you were to ask me to talk about my thoughts a year and a half ago, I would have never said what that thought was and Mm -hmm. that was just the beginning like my thoughts got more gruesome there was images of me hurting people like bloody images like sorry if this is triggering people listening I just want people to know that how crazy your thoughts get you're not alone with like either if it's imagery or if it feels like commands like go hurt them or something Mm -hmm. like that like mine weren't classic what ifs mine ranged from just intrusive feelings to images to commands um and then I sought treatment and it's been about a year and a couple months of treatment and yeah so that's kind of my story there's so many other tiny things I could probably talk about about compulsions but that's kind of like the biggest things that kind of have stuck out to me just going through therapy and kind of working through that but yeah no, and I oh, I just have so much that I'd like to say. So just for anyone who wasn't who isn't aware, what was like the gummy situation? Because wasn't how did that all? <laughs> I feel like I'm still like a little bit fuzzy yeah. On that. So this is um this is the beginning of the end of the beginning is what okay. I call this Delta A gummy because. Me, I was married to my ex-husband. I thought maybe I'm just delusional, but I was like, our marriage is great. Like everything's fine. Of course we have like tiffs, like normal, but I was pretty happy in our marriage. Um, And I'll get into why that kind of matters later, but he left for work. And before he left for work, he gave me like a, like there's like a pack. He didn't drug me on purpose. Oh, I don't people think that he literally drugged me on purpose, but I've never taken anything like that before. Even CBD, like mm-hmm. I'm very sensitive to medication. So yeah. when I tried medications for anxiety, like a couple years ago, I, th- they would be like five milligrams and I'd cut those in half sometimes yeah. because that's just like how sensitive I am to medication. Okay. And so usually when he'd give me those gummies or just to like relax your mind or, yeah. you know, he worked at a chiropractic office. So he, they just gave these to him. They're like samples. And he left for work that day. But before he cut me like half of one and he gave me one. And I've only had like a quarter or like smaller than a quarter of one. Mm-hmm. And so I thought nothing of it. I just took it. And then he left for work. And then again, while I was sitting on my PC working uh, and he was gone, I was home alone just with my dog. And it just happened about 20 to 30 minutes after I took it which is like a classic time for when something kicks in usually and the way I can describe it is I felt like I was having a stroke because I couldn't think of anything it was like the normal functioning of my mind just like something switched and I felt like I couldn't feel my body I was numb like I was tingly everything felt very I felt like I was floating it was like all these weird like high sensations yeah um, oh, that's so scary yeah and I didn't know that that's what would happen if I took that gummy because I've taken it before in smaller doses I also yeah. just it's just a normal day so you're not yeah. like I don't know I wasn't thinking about it but yeah when that hit out of nowhere I panicked and because I didn't know what it was it just got worse and worse and more adrenaline more adrenaline so I called 911 they came 
to check me out. And I was like, I think it might just be a panic attack, but I've had them in the past. So I know, but this one feels really scary and really different. Like, and they were like, I think it's a panic attack because you seem fine, but it's so scary having seven large, large men. Oh no. I was like, how are no, they all no. so massive? Like they're all ripped. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of nice. Um, but there is like these big, massive men coming into your apartment. My dog's like barking at them when they come in. He's like growling. So I'm having to like shove him away. But while I was waiting for them to get get there, I remember pace. This is so weird. I haven't thought about this day. I was pacing back and forth being like, I have to live. So I'm like, I can't lay down because what if like I lay down and that'll like make I, I don't even know the weird things I was coming up with, but I was like, I have to keep walking and pacing. I want, I want to live. I want to stay alive. So I just have to wait for them to get here. And then, yeah, it's so crazy that I don't know what that thing to me, but from that point, I don't know what it did, but I think it just now looking back, I think it just triggered my OCD mm-hmm. to where it was prevalent every second of every day where every thought was existential we're on a floating rock. Like what is God? How does that real? Like, how is anything real? How am I real? What's my soul? Like it just, all of these weird normal thoughts that people have, but it came with so much force. Yeah. It's like 10 X like, yeah. Emotionally. I almost feel like, and it felt like, I think the weirdest part was I've never felt responsibility to solve it before. I guess that point because before it was like oh it's just like anxiety and that's just something that people have and just weird thoughts but when this came and it was OCD it was like these are weird thoughts but you have to figure it out like that's what OCD was telling me like you have to solve this like go get blessings from like people who like the men in your family because Mm -hmm. you know and like the church that I grew up in which you give priesthood blessings so it's like yeah um, it heals you, you know? So I was like, I got to get those because I'm turning into a bad person, like, cause of my thoughts. So yeah, it's, it started with lots of priesthood blessings and prayers. And, you know, I turned to God because that's what, you know, God, cause that's what I thought that you needed to do. But yeah. I realized now it was very compulsive. Yes. Cause I just yeah. wanted it to go away and mm-hmm. just not have to sit with it. You yeah. Know? Oh, and I re- oh, I don't know. There's so much like religious like context that I feel like OCD can be taken in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I remember there was a point in my life where I almost had to like stop praying almost mm-hmm. altogether because it yeah. had become so compulsory as a safety behavior, which makes a total sense when you're just a kid, you know, you just want to feel safe and right and yeah, no, that's that's so interesting and scary just I guess painful that just sounds painful yeah it's so weird thinking back to like I said the beginning of the end of the new beginning that I was having in my life because obviously once that happened it also I just became really depressed as well it's kind of just a perfect storm of a lot of just mental health um, issues and disorders and I've been depressed before but it, it it's not like it must have just been seasonal depression or something because it didn't like stick, I guess. Yeah. It kind of would just come in like a month or two months. Mm-hmm. And, but this one felt worse because I thought I was like a crazy, 
horrible person. And then on top of that, I was still anxious all the time. And then on top of that, like me and my husband were now having issues. He felt very disconnected because it was probably hard to watch me go through what I was going. And I would break down probably like once a day mm-hmm. when my OCD was really bad with, it was mostly existential. And it's so weird because thinking back, I haven't, I haven't solved anything. The only yeah. difference is I really can just sit with those questions now and not answer them and not feel yeah. like I have to. It's not my responsibility. Um, so if that gives hope to anyone, it is very much possible to get better. And it doesn't mean I don't have those thoughts because they still come, but they don't have as much power over me. And yeah, it just was hard because it put a strain on our marriage. And then yeah. obviously we got a divorce. So it, it it's just such a weird I used to be so mad at that stupid Delta. I'm like, if only I didn't take it, like I would have still been married. I would have not had OCD. But then the more I've recovered, the more I'm like, I'm actually weirdly grateful for taking that because there's obviously problems in our marriage that I didn't really wasn't aware of that weren't told to me Mm -hmm. from the other person that, you know, they might've left eventually. So I'm glad it's now before maybe we had, kids or something or you know I don't know or maybe not I don't I have no idea yeah so well yeah, it's and crazy. Then, like in all of that like with your relationship and your divorce did you ever go through a dark point where you were like if I didn't have OCD this wouldn't have happened yeah I think because it's it's I think it's because I have always had anxiety and I was like I have that under control Like I have just anxious thoughts, that thing under control, but OCD was something that made me feel like I was actually a bad person that the, Mm -hmm. the thoughts, because I was having these thoughts, that's who I am. Like, so there's parts of me that want to do this. Um, so of course he left, like, that's kind of what went through my head when the, when he, once he left and I won't go through that because I just want to focus more so on like the OCD aspect of my, like going through a divorce and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I, when he left and just for some background, he left very abruptly. Like we didn't talk about getting a divorce. It was like, yeah, I, he came home from work and he's like, I'm leaving. And I was like, okay. And yeah. And in that moment I was like, of course I'm like, because I'm a bad person. So I legitimately thought God told him to leave because I was actually the horrible person that my thoughts were telling me I was. And I think that still is like an open wound Mm -hmm. and I don't believe it as much but it's just sad that that's what I thought I guess and what I actually believed for a while so I think that has kind of messed me up in some ways but yeah you know I can heal from that but it it is kind of yeah I sometimes just wish I never had OCD obviously um, when it's bad but sometimes when it's good and I have more control over it I'm almost proud in a weird way to have it because I know it doesn't mean I don't think it means that I am my thoughts and it's something that's so hard. Like it's, um, what are they? It's like the seventh most debilitating illness. So that's not even just mental. That's mental and physical. That's it's the seventh most debilitating in the world. So that's what we're struggling with. So when I put that, 
when I think of it in that way with that perspective, I'm like, no, nah, we're very strong. Like people yeah. would cripple. And that that's not the point is be like comparing, but people would cripple if they had an yeah. ounce of what we had sometimes. And that gives me lots of strength. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, you know, I've had, you know, similar thoughts along the veins of like, I just, you know, there are times when you're just in such a dark place that you're like, can I just not like, can I please just not have this? It is just, it feels like sometimes it feels like a disease that you just caught and now your life is different. Oh, it's a whirlwind. It happens in one second. All of a sudden you're like, sometimes I'm like, how did I get like, how did I get here? I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm here now. So it's like, okay, I guess this is my life now. Oh, I know. And it's just, it's so wild. And I think too, like one thing that has been helpful to me, and I can't even remember if someone told this to me or if I read it, but it really stuck with me. Um, Because I I think having OCD can, like you said, kind of be like a crisis of like, am I like a horrible person? Like, this is not, you know, I don't resonate with this, but you know, why am I having these recurring thoughts, you know, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And I think someone said something to the effect of like, some of your strongest OCD themes should actually say a lot about you, but in the positive, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, and I think it's, I think it's telling that it is so like disturbing and uncomfortable to have those thoughts because you are such a good person. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I, I yeah. thought about that a lot, like whatever theme your OCD takes or themes that it kind of cycles through, I think so much of that just points to things that you want to protect and you know your own values and it's like it it almost feels like OCD attacks what means the most to you yeah which is awful it's literally so mean oh it's so mean like it's absolutely the worst so mean that's the it really is like the things that you care about the most I sometimes feel like and obviously every situation is different but I don't know that's been something that I've hung on to to be like you know what actually like I'm a very kind gentle caring person who cares about my relationships and keeping people in my life safe and mm-hmm. being a good person and this is just kind of what I have to deal with but it just shows shows that I'm yeah. a good person you know what I mean yeah yeah I love that I think it's I had such a hard time with once I started going through recovery I and I go through no CD, the app. And I found a therapist there. I did so much research, which it's so crazy. Cause I think like when I first started to have all these thoughts, the amount of Google searches and Instagram posts that I read, I'm like, I digested so much information about this disorder that it was like not even helpful, honestly, because, because of the reason I was doing it was to like make it go away. Um, And I think when I first started recovery and it was like no reassurance, no, I don't know, like no affirmations. Like I I took it to the extreme to where OCD then started attacking OCD and it kind of became, what is it? Like meta OCD is what they call it, which I'm like, that sounds kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) Meta, awesome. The worst. Um, Just kidding. It's not the worst, but it's like just makes it so much more complicated to to do recovery because Mm it got to the point where I was like being more mean to myself yeah, and like not even being kind to myself or holding myself with compassion. Cause I was like, well, this is what they want me to do is like no reassurance means 
no fun, like no good feelings ever. Yeah. So yeah, comfort is a good word. Cause I was like, I can't be comforted, but that's not the same thing as assurance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting point, honestly. Yeah. It definitely attacked that. And I feel like it still does to this day. And it's still kind of something that I'm trying to, I don't know, get through at least that theme and just kind of sit with maybe I'm doing recovery wrong. Maybe these exposures are actually making me want to like do these horrible things and just like weird, like meta things with OCD that now it's kind of fixating on. But so. Well, and I'm curious, just kind of like, I mean, we touched briefly on like on the other side of not necessarily on the other side of recovery because recovery is so ongoing, Mm -hmm. but on the, on the other side of divorce, on the other side of just kind of like these crazy months that you had, I feel like one thing that's been really inspiring to watch is I feel like you really have like a lot of ownership and care, like a responsibility to care for yourself. So as you're like in other relationships, whether it's just friends, whether it's romantic relationships, how do you feel like you've been able to change and kind of own your own struggles and, you know, educate the people around you? Because I think it can be so easy to be embarrassed, frankly, it's complicated to explain Mm-hmm. It sounds nuts if you've never heard of it. You yeah. I mean? How do you feel like you've changed? Because I just feel like you kind of have become like this pillar of strength of like, yeah, like I have this. Mm-hmm. How have you gone about just being like, yep, like this is something I deal with and this is me. Not that it is you, but you see what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I know. I'm like, my OCD is me now. Um, I get what you're saying. I think for me, I've, I have a really good support system, like my family And I do think even though I had OCD and I had weird, sad, like painful things as a kid growing up, I had a really good family and I think just a lot of fun, like a lot of laughs, a lot of just close connections with my siblings. My parents were both really good parents. They didn't know about OCD. So I could sit here and be like, oh, I wish that they, you know. I don't know, knew about my OCD and fixed me or something. So I don't have to go through it. And there is some kind, some kind of like pain there that I kind of wish that they were like that. But I think having that foundation, I guess, of love, support, laughing, not taking ourselves too seriously has actually helped me take myself serious in a non-serious way, like trying to really better myself, not to just be like, oh, look, I'm a growing good person. It's more so I want to genuinely be joyful and I want to be happy and I want to feel peace. And so I will try a million different things and take ownership where I need to, to get to that place. So I think I actually was just thinking the other day, I was, I don't remember what I was doing. It was, it was a hard beginning of the day. Like I just had a lot of thoughts um, intrusive images, feelings. I just was like, I don't want to relapse this badly. And sometimes I could talk about relapsing for forever too. Cause that's such been, that's like been a massive part in my recovery, but, um, I did relapse a little bit and just like a lot of rumination compulsions and, um, kind of just compulsive praying. And I'm like, is this compulsive or is this not? Do I actually want to pray? Or is this just like, am I doing this for him to take it away type thing? And 
I recorded my podcast and then after I just got like emotional by myself because I got really um, proud of myself and because of everything I've been through and I've been able to still work on myself and been able to push myself, push my boundaries, my like comfort zone to try to get better. And I was like, I just want to be so it's very validating to hear you say that people or at least that you look up to me and like being a strong voice for people who have OCD because I that whole day I was like, I want to be I want my podcast to do well, like so that people know that they're they should not be ashamed for having it and that they should not have to sit in their rooms all day and not feel like they can connect to people and have a good life, have peace, have all of these things because they have OCD. And I. I feel blessed to be in a position to because of like my sister basically and her success to be able to, I don't know, be that voice even on their podcast when I went on to just talk about it so that people, even like little girls, like if if I had someone that I knew had similar thoughts and weird things as me as a little girl, that's like an older girl. It just like, that's what I want to be to people. So they know that they're not like, outcasts to society and to the human race it's like you, they you deserve to take up just as much space as a person next to you that doesn't have OCD and these thoughts and stuff I love that so so much and as you kind of said that like you know something like having a podcast um and just you know still doing the things that you want to do and things that you mm-hmm. value that's one thing that I have really observed that you have done. And I think that has been inspiring and should be inspiring for anyone dealing honestly with pretty much anything, but with mental health, especially you can still live the life that you want to live. I really, really believe that. And I don't mean that in a like pray and it will go away or make sure Mm -hmm. you go on your walk and that will fix it. Not in that way at all. Um, But in the way that like you can still have values and you can still live your life according to your values. And I just think you're doing that. Like you there's you can have OCD and any number of mental illnesses and still have ownership of your life. As much as it seems like you don't, you can. And I don't know. That would be like my one message. And if you need a good example, they can just look to you because you're doing it so well. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> That's so nice to hear, seriously, because... I I obviously know how I, like how isolating it can be and I 100% agree like I've just been able to write down my values and I think everyone who has OCD or just anyone in general should really map out their own values what they believe what they think and value that and move forward with that and I'm not going to act like when I do all of these things, when I do the podcast or when I, I don't know, like messing around, playing video games. Like I still have so many intrusive thoughts and it's not always fun. Like it doesn't feel good a lot of the times, but I think I'm just having hope that when I, I keep, if I keep doing the things that I want to do and holding to my values, maybe maybe not one day it'll start to feel natural and feel good again and I'll feel peaceful, you know, but for now it still has a lot of anxiety and intrusive thoughts. Not sure if this is the right thing to do. Not sure if these are my values, like all these weird questions that OCD brings up, but yeah, we definitely can still 
have a good full life as much as anyone else. Oh, exactly. And just this like, well, probably this like last little thought before we wrap up. I could talk forever. Honestly, I could Same. talk forever. <laughs> um, yeah. But I have had one kind of like thing that has really helped me with OCD. And mine manifested really, really strong my senior year of high school and did not did not understand what was going on, what was happening to me. And I had an uncle who sat me down and talked to me a little bit. And, you know, he told me the story of a professor and he was a professor who loved to teach. He was like a prolific teacher, just so talented, was like really impacting people's lives with his teachings. But he was like painfully, painfully shy but he valued his work as a teacher and he valued his students. And so every day before he would lecture, he would go into the bathroom and have his own panic. You know, he would watch his handshake, he would sweat, and then he would go teach every single day. And that to me is what it is to live with OCD. It's, you know, it's like feeling all of the fear, but then you can just, I just really believe that you're strong enough to still commit to your values and, yeah, and go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that just that's been a a helpful thing for me. Yeah, that's that definitely is how it is because, like I just said, it's like when I go to church still because I still that's still important to me. Mm-hmm. It freaks me out every single time. Like it's not peaceful for me right now not still. Fun. Yeah, and it might never be, but that's just my values, and I want to hold true to that. But. Yeah, it's like the classic um, feel the fear and do it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, mindset. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just kind of in closing, I would love if you wanted to shout out any resources that come to the top of your head, um, anything that's been helpful that people might want to check out. Yeah, so obviously no CD the app. I love it because they have therapists. They also have support groups. Uh, they do take insurance, some like, some insurances Mm -hmm. and the support groups if you reach out to like your local area if you look up oh shiz I can't remember the website but if you look up OCD foundation or something sometimes it'll take you to if there's support groups in your area specifically and I haven't gone to one yet but I reached out to the girl who's in charge of it here and we're going to be doing in-person support groups, which I'm excited. I'm horrified. Like, I'm not like, I just am excited. It's like, I'm kind of scared <laughs> to <like> go. <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited because I know it'll be helpful, you know, to connect with other people that have it in a safe place where they can express their feelings and everything like that. So any kind of support group, I think, is so, so helpful. It's horrifying and it's scary. But just go to support groups if you can. No CD has them again. Um, and then as far as like books or anything, freedom from compulsive, wait, obsessive. I think it's freedom. Uh, freedom from obsessive compulsive disorder is the book by Jonathan something. Google oh, it, just, yeah. I wish. Yeah. Google just it. Google it. It's, it's one of the top like OCD books, but I read that book and he gives some harsh truths of really sitting with uncertainty and how the point of recovery isn't to gain certainty that you are a good person or gain certainty that, you know, you're going to heaven or that, I don't know any of that stuff. It it is to genuinely sit with the fact that we actually don't know and we can't control really anything. And that's really uncomfortable. And anyways, he just lays out truths that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear in order to get 
into a good place with recovery. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, I can't think. There's probably so many other things that I can't think of anything else. Oh, no, you're great. I have a couple that I'll, I'll just list all of these in show notes and then tell people where they can find you. You are a podcaster. You just hit 10K. Yeah, 10K okay, downloads. Amazing. I know. It happened. It happened uh, faster than I thought. And I was shook to my core. And I'm just excited because that's just the more exposure that people like, the more exposure it gets, the more people will feel like they're not alone. And, um, but yeah, I'm super excited and, but you can find me, I think most of the platforms is just dear Abby. I think someone else had the handles dear Abby with no punctuation. So I think I have two underscores or something under or after, um, Abby. So it's just dear Abby underscore underscore. Um, but you can find me on Instagram, TikTok. And I'm probably the most active on Instagram, but yeah, my podcast is Dear Abby. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. It was just such a treat to get to talk to you. Um, Yeah. I just always say like with mental health, just talking about it with someone who understands is just incredibly like healing Mm -hmm. and validating. And so I hope, I hope that our listeners, um, got a little bit of that today because it was so so good for me so thank you so so much for being here of course thank you for having me I had so much fun I could literally keep talking for six more hours about this oh, with you same. I know we should just co-author a book we'll just put it yeah out literally heal everyone. <laughs> everyone's OCD oh, all I right well for everyone else listening thank you so so much for tuning in for another episode of the bread and butter go ahead and check out Abby's podcast check her out on all of the platforms I'll link her stuff below Um, And then if you wanted to go ahead and write a review and leave me five stars, if you appreciated this episode, I would greatly appreciate it. That is it for now. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.